Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up to the moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Postseason Edition. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the Deputy Editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have Nathan Makaborski, our Executive Editor. Nathan, how's it going? Not too bad, John. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I'm a little less tired than I was last week because of the earlier game last night. I'm a little, I guess, less enthusiastic perhaps than I was last week because of the results of the games. Yeah, that seven o'clock start made all the difference for us here on the East Coast. But yeah, you know, the last two nights, the uh, the Rays got the better of us. We split the first two games. Uh, and now tonight we got to go out and try and hope for a split in the second two games and force a game five. So obviously, if it's not clear already, we are recording this on Thursday morning. Hopefully you are listening to this Thursday afternoon or evening before the game. If not, if you're listening to it tomorrow, I guess hopefully the Yankees season is still going on. Um, <laughs> if not, I'll be honest, maybe just skip ahead to next week's episode or, or whatever. But yeah, Nate, I, I think I think you bring up a good point here. And, and it's something that I want to start off by getting to. And obviously, we're going to break down things here and there. One thing that always fascinates me about the postseason, and I want to hear your take on this before I give you my weird half-baked theory on it is we know the games are crucial. We know the games mean more. We know the emotions are high. But the one thing that I feel like you almost always forget is how brutal that first loss in the postseason is and how just jarring, I guess, it is when the team loses in the postseason, especially in short series and things like that. And look, I mean – as we record this right now, the season is far from over, but it's just every single one, two, three inning, every strikeout, and certainly every loss, it's just so magnified right now. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I feel like, you know, the momentum turns on, on a dime. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, I, I know what you're, I, I get that same feeling, you know, when you're, 
you're trailing in a game and, you know, they put up a few zeros on you and, uh, you know, you're kind of just waiting for something to happen. But it can change in a hurry, you know. I mean, you, uh, I'm sure you probably watched some of that uh, that A's-Astros game yesterday where it looked like the A's were just, you know, dead in the water. And then, you know, apparently Ramon Laureano gives them a, a fired-up speech in the dugout and, and everything changes. So, look, it's we, – we know the Rays are a good team. You know, there's, they're the number one seed for a reason. And uh, they've showed why. I mean, they've gotten some really good pitching. Their relievers have been great. Their starters have been great. Uh, their batters have, have, you know, really taken advantage of, of some, you know, a few mistakes by our pitchers. Uh, Rosarena doesn't seem like he's ever going to make an out ever again. Um, so, you know, we just got to steal that momentum back, you know, and, and it could be hopefully it's a, a big hit early on in, in tonight's game or something like that. You know, there's a couple guys on our team who I'd like to see kind of get untracked. You know, Luke Voigt, I think, would, would surely tell you he, he wants to do something here. So, uh, you know, just looking for that spark. And uh, I'm optimistic that we'll see that. So, so you beat me to a little bit of it. And I still do plan on presenting my half-baked theory. So just give me a minute. But the, the fact <laughs> is, right now, again, as, as we prepare for game four, and if you're listening to this after game four, I, I hope it went well for you. But <laughs> um, as we prepare for game four here right now, the Rays, who have a very good bullpen, but whatever, they're going with an opener slash bullpen game, whatever you want to call it. And the Yankees are probably going with some combination of Jordan Montgomery and Davey Garcia and whatever. And and frankly, look, the Yankees have a good pitching staff too. The Yankees certainly have a good enough offense to score runs. I mean, even if Giancarlo Stanton doesn't bat nine times out of nine, there's still a lot of great hitters in that lineup. The other thing that you have to keep bear in mind, and again, I don't want to get too rosy here. It stinks to be down 2-1. It stinks to be facing an elimination game. But if the Yankees win tonight, Garrett Cole's on the mound tomorrow. That's pretty awesome. That that I, I don't want to be the Rays in that situation with Garrett Cole on the mound against them. So, I again... You can look at the fact that we are the New York Yankees. You can look at the fact that this is Yankees Magazine or the Yankees Magazine podcast and say maybe we're presenting this too rosy. I think that this will finally get into my, if you will, my my, my little theory here. Ever since I started working for the Yankees, which was in 2014, but obviously working for Major League Baseball for years before that and covering a lot of playoff games, I've been around the Yankees in the postseason a lot. So since I started working here in 2015, the Yankees lost the wild card game. But other than that, 17, 18, 19, and now 20, the Yankees either won the wild card game and advanced, or, including this year, swept the first round that they played, whether it was the division series against Minnesota last year or the wild card series this year. I think there is something about that sense of Yankees fans seeing the team advance around immediately that makes that first loss that much more shocking. You know, I think that maybe if that division series against the Twins last year had gone five games, then maybe it hurts a little less when, as weird as game two of this division series was, and we could talk about it a little bit, Neither one of us, when we were on this last week, predicted that the Yankees were going to sweep the division series. You said five games. I said four. I'm not going to be right, but you could still be right. Even 
after the sky fell on all Yankees fans and you heard all the doom and gloom over the last two days, the Yankees can still advance here. But I am I, I, making my half-baked theory here. I think it is because of the way that over the last four years now, the Yankees have advanced to whatever you want to call their second round of the playoffs without losing a game in any of those cases. I think that just magnifies that first loss every time. It's an interesting theory, John, an interesting theory. <laughs> uh, I've been very clear about this being half-baked, by the way. <laughs> Look, I mean, the further you get along in the postseason, the tougher your opponent's going to be, you know, generally speaking, you know. And you're going to lose some games. I mean, you're, <laughs> I don't think the Yankees have ever really, I mean, in recent years, you know, gone through a whole postseason without losing a single game, you know. Uh, even the 98 Yanks lost two games in the postseason. So losses are going to happen. You got to be able to turn the page. Um, you know, it's it's tough to, in a best of five, lose two in a row. But like I said, I mean, if you can manage to to win tonight, then, you know, you split the, the second pair of games and you force a game five with, like you said, Garrett Cole going on for game five, and you'll take your chances in a game like that every time. I think that the bummer of this... And I apologize for getting so far ahead of things right now. One thing that it's just so hard this year with the schedule is best case scenario, the Yankees win these next two games. So that means that the series ends Friday and the ALCS begins Sunday. You basically, that means you're starting J-Hap in game one which means that J-Hap is probably your most likely starting pitcher to get two starts. It means that you are definitely only getting one start from Garrett Cole. And it just it just goes to show, like, obviously, whether it's whoever wins the series, whether you're playing the Astros or whether you're playing the A's, this is just such an unusual and... I don't want to say unfair, because it's obviously both teams are the same thing, but it's just a postseason that... We can't compare to anything we've seen before. No, the the lack of off days certainly makes it interesting. And then, you know, just, I mean, everything about it is bizarre. You know, watching, you know, the Yankees wearing pinstripes in a National League park in San Diego with no fans. I mean, the, the whole thing is just completely, you know, insane. And, you know, it's, it's different when there's... The, the no fans thing is a big factor. I mean, I, I know when the games start, these guys are locked in and everything else, but you know, from just the, you know, adrenaline that a loud crowd can provide to uh, the way a, a loud crowd can get on an umpire who's who has a couple questionable calls and that could maybe impact a little bit of the game. That That's a big factor, I think. You know, Jordan Montgomery is going to make his first career postseason start tonight and, you know, n- none of his family is going to be there to watch. So it's definitely different. And, you know, even for us, from our perspective, you know, we're so used to covering these games, you know, ever since we've you started in 2014, I started in 2007, you know, we've never missed a Yankees home postseason game. You know, we're always there for every single game and everything that goes along with that from the pregame press conferences in the afternoon to, you know, having dinner with our fellow coworkers right before the game starts to, you know, whether you're sitting in the main press box or the auxiliary press box up in right field, all that stuff. I just, you know, I kind of miss it. I mean, I, I miss it a lot, to be honest, watching this team on, on TV um, is as good as we're going to get for now. And like you said, they they still got an unbelievable lineup one through nine. So 
there's no reason to be to think that uh, they can't even up this series tonight. So that that unbelievable lineup, I think that there's a lot of guys to talk about there. I think we have to start obviously with Giancarlo Stanton. Nate, you mentioned the fact that this, these games aren't happening in front of fans, and that's never more of a bummer to me than not even after the Giancarlo Stanton home runs, but before the Giancarlo Stanton home runs. I wish you could hear that like sense in the crowd, whether home or away, frankly, that sense of the crowd in the crowd of every time Giancarlo Stanton is walking up toward that batter's box and the anticipation and the fear and the excitement because it's just crazy what he's doing. I mean, it's not crazy because he's a giant of a man who has bat speed like nothing I've ever seen, but it, it, it is insane what he has been able to accomplish in this postseason so far. It really is. I mean, you see him standing there in the box staring out at the pitcher, and, I mean, it's scary. I mean, he looks like he was concocted in a lab or something like he's just so locked in right now. And it's funny, you know, every day we get game notes from the Yankees media relations department. And it's, you know, kind of like the first page is just so a one sheet or there's two columns of a bunch of notes. There's usually about four or five sections in each column about, you know, a different player, a different, you know, aspect of the game before or whatever. The game notes prior to last night's game were, the entire second column was just about John Carlos Stanton and, you know, the records that he's tied or set and, you know, the names that he's put himself in the conversation with. And today's game notes, I'm sure it'll be another full column dedicated to everything that he's done because we've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, to start a postseason five games in and have homered in every single one of them, he's got six homers total. It's crazy. No Yankees ever done anything like it. Very few major leaguers have ever done anything like what he's doing. And the home runs are just incredible. I mean, whether it's a line drive to the opposite field uh, or just a mammoth blast that seems to go 5,000 feet, uh, he's just punishing baseballs. And like you said, I mean, it's it's must-watch TV when he gets in the box. Like, as locked in as he is, <laughs> a lot of Yankees fans are the same way, sitting on their couch watching him. It was actually pretty funny. Last night, I was kind of uh, split screening it, uh, work, working two screens between the vice presidential debate and the game. And at the moment when he hit his home run last night, my eyes and the sound were on the debate. And I look over and I see a ball hit by a very tall person just crushed over the center field wall. And for some reason, I don't even know why, in my head, I had convinced myself it was Judge who hit it. And I was like very, I would say, relieved, both because it's great to see other people contributing to the offense when, when when a game like that is going on. And secondly, because it meant that Giancarlo Stanton was going to be up soon. There was a little part of me that was actually almost bummed when I, when the camera turned to him, you know, running around the bases and I realized, Oh wait, that's Stanton. That wasn't judge. It was like, on the one hand, you just expect that he's going to do that every at bat now. So you're hoping someone else does it almost because that just means that the rest of the offense is clicking the way it needs to. Hopefully, you know, it can have a, a, a ripple effect and, you know, the guys around him will start seeing some some better pitches because uh, a couple of those guys uh, I'm sure would love to contribute uh, more than they have so far. And again, I don't want to keep repeating myself and I don't want to make it seem like we are painting a picture that isn't accurate. The fact of the matter is the Rays ace, the Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, that was the game that... Kyle Higashioka, Clint Frazier, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton all homered. They can do this. They can certainly do this against whatever the pitching plan that Kevin Cash has in place tonight. And if it is Blake Snell tomorrow night on short rest, you figure they've done it once, they can do it again. It's just a matter of the Yankees, what they have not gotten yet is just 
the pitching they need. And look, reasonable people can argue, disagree, whatever about the plan in game two. But the fact of the matter is in game three, when you had a very conventional pitching strategy, it just didn't work for the Yankees. Masahiro Tanaka has to be better than he was. And for all the reasons that you certainly gave him a pass against Cleveland in that bizarre situation, and even despite his line, felt that he probably kept the team in a position to win, last night wasn't good enough. And it's very frustrating because you know the kind of pitcher he is. You know the kind of postseason pitcher he is, certainly. I hate being one of those people who, you know, plays the umpiring game or whatever. But, you know, that situation when he had to strike him out, throw him out double play that they don't get, and then it turns into a three-run homer. I mean, does that affect both teams probably? Was there inconsistency on both sides of the umpiring? I say absolutely. But it's just – it's so frustrating to watch that happen because you, you, it's just such a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was where the game kind of kind of turned, and you know the Yankees had a couple opportunities in that game to to get back in it, and uh, you know they weren't able to do it. You had Luke Voigt up with you know what was it bases loaded, and you know had a three zero count, and their guy makes a couple of good pitches, and you know gets a couple of good calls too because I, I he definitely did walk on that three zero pitch, but go on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in games like this in the postseason, you know, we've seen it time and time again. When you got two good teams that are very closely matched, uh, it can come down to just a play or two that kind of is the difference in the game. Tanaka wasn't his normal, usual, consistent postseason self. But hopefully tonight those, those little momentum-changing plays uh, go in our favor. Everything in baseball kind of teeters on the shelf precariously because things change so quickly. And... I don't remember if it was the first or the second game of the season when Tommy Canley pitched his one inning before going down with an injury. I don't think anyone, when that happened, said right away, like, well, there goes the season. At the time, you know, you still think you have a very effective Adam Adovino. You think you have uh, just incredibly reliable Chad Green. And look, of course, Britton and Chapman have been what we've expected them to be. It just changes, man. It's it just... I, I have high hopes for Jordan Montgomery because I think Jordan Montgomery is a good pitcher. I know he's a very confident pitcher, and I'm excited to see him get this opportunity. What's been clear these first few days of the division series is that the Yankees' bullpen is not as deep as it needs to be, both to match up against the Rays, but also to get through the way you want to manage a postseason game. Certainly in the wild card game in, in game two, and probably even last night to some degree, you have to figure if there were off days in there. And if the Yankees had the bullpen that they expected when the season started, you would have had a shorter leash on Tanaka in both of those games. But you can't do it right now. And so do you need a short leash on Montgomery tonight? Well, yeah. And does it help that you have presumably a very well-rested Davey Garcia who can go long behind him? Yeah, that that, that helps too. But at some point, you just we're going to need to get length from starters so that you can get to the strategy that wins for the Yankees of creating a short bridge to Brayton and then Chapman. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this isn't the first year that that's been the case. We brought Cole in uh, just for that very reason. You know, you got an ace who can give you seven innings easily every time out. And he didn't quite go that long, I, I think, game one, but he gave you a very, very effective start. And then, yeah, after that, you know, it's it, it tests your your bullpen, and you know we're we're seeing guys get some opportunities here, though. That you know, like Nick Nelson got into a game, and and Michael King. So these guys are getting outs, and they're getting experience that hopefully will continue to pay dividends down the road. I think a lot of these guys, you know, even if we end up not advancing, 
uh, or winning a World Series this year, whether it's uh, those guys I just mentioned or Davey Garcia. A lot of guys are getting their feet wet in the postseason. And, uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery, another one tonight. Uh, hopefully these are all kind of things that they can build off in their careers moving forward. Absolutely. And, and I think that if I could just grab the last word here or at least prompt your last word either way, the fact is whatever happens tonight in the in those first few innings, I still say, as I've been saying probably for a couple of years now, but certainly this season, you know, you want to say in baseball, it's not over until it's over. It's definitely not over until it's over when you're facing the Yankees. Every single one of those players, if you look at the guys who have contributed this series, whether it's, like I said, Frazier or Higashioka, any one of the guys when they're up at that plate can turn this game around here. So I guess, I guess all that you can say is, you know, as we head into what could be the last game of the season tonight, and certainly hopefully isn't, but maybe one or two crucial games here, it's just the, the knowledge that you have to keep of, if I can go cross town for a second, you know, you, you got to believe, and if I can keep it, I guess, in the Bronx, it ain't over till it's over. This team has such a great offense. Every one of these players is so incredible to watch with the bat that, you know, you just have to hope that you just don't get that doom and gloom feel until, frankly, the Rays are celebrating on the field at the end of the game. Yeah, you, you know, got to stay optimistic and uh, I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed because uh, I really don't want to have to wait until April to watch a new, another meaningful Yankees game. That's for sure. Nate, let's take a quick break here and let's come back with a really quick look at a very, very special publication that we just put out, the 2020 official New York Yankees yearbook. So stick with us. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get it. It's a home run. A three-run home run for Bucky Jim. The Yankees now lead by a score of 3-2. Hey folks, it's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Nate, it's beginning to feel a bit like April because the Yankees yearbook is out. Hey, how about that? <laughs> a very unique season, uh, you know, deserves a unique yearbook. And uh, I think that's what we've done here. You know, we... In normal years, we come out with the yearbook on opening day and we sell it at Yankee Stadium all throughout the year. Obviously, there was so much uncertainty at the beginning of this year that we kind of held off just to see whether there would actually be a baseball season. And then, uh, you know, you wait that long and we're like, all right, well, let's, you know, let this season play out a little bit and, you know, get the yearbook ready for October. 
So in doing so, it kind of allowed us the opportunity to do a lot of things that we normally aren't able to do with the yearbook. I mean, when, we, when you're producing a publication to go on sale on opening day, there's really nothing you can say about that current season. Not only, if I can interrupt you, not only to go out on sale on opening day, but a publication that's going to be on sale on opening day for the next six months. Right. So that presents a lot of challenges. You want to you know, make something that's going to be interesting to people who buy it, uh, no matter when they pick it up. So with the 2020 New York Yankees official yearbook uh, being produced when it was, we kind of wrote it in September and published it here in October. Uh, we were able to include photos from the 2020 regular season. We were able to include the official team photo of the 2020 Yankees. Um, so there's a lot of things in there that really make this yearbook unique. And uh, whether you're a, you know, a longtime collector of yearbooks going all the way back to the 50s or just want like a cool, unique memento from this really you know, unusual and unforgettable season, now you can. You can go on yankees.com slash publications and order one. You can call 800-GO-YANKS. And uh, I think people will, will enjoy having this as part of their collection. Everything about our year was different, obviously, Nate. I don't think anyone needs me to say that. And, and I maybe I shouldn't be putting words into our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri's mouth. But of all the things that we weren't able to do this year, you've mentioned go to postseason games. You've mentioned just coming to some of the ways that our reporting has been different. I know that it was just so devastating to Al, the thought that there might not be a yearbook this year. There's been a yearbook every year. It's just it, – it's something that we do. It's it's a just such a – important collector's item, something that if you look at a lot of Yankees fans' bookshelves, they have them going back, you know, in a line year to year. When there was that time when we thought that there just might not be a 2020 season, but there also might not be a 2020 yearbook, it was such a bummer. It, it feels so great to know that this thing published. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're the franchise that uh, employed Joe DiMaggio, so we love streaks here. We don't want to see them broken. And uh, I think Yankees yearbook has been published every year for 70 years now about and uh, you know I was just as excited about producing a team photo this year we knew that that was going to be a challenge and and that's a tradition that goes back I think to 1903 I think there's been a team photo every single year that the Yankees have been in existence so uh, you know that one was certainly a uh, different than any other year you know usually it's all the guys kind of shoulder to shoulder on risers by home plate given the situation with the pandemic we spread them out a lot more safely in the outfield this year but the result is a really really unique and what i think is just kind of beautiful team photo so that's included that's a nice spread in the yearbook you know the cover i think is is really kind of poignant just a a 2020 Yankees jersey draped over a seat, an empty seat at Yankee Stadium where uh, you can see the patch for Hank Steinbrenner on the left sleeve clearly there. Um, so there's a lot about this yearbook that make it special. And uh, yeah, we're, we're all really proud of it, really proud to keep the streak alive. Yeah, ho hopefully uh, next year it'll be back to normal. And that's a point that I kind of wanted to get to. A lot of times, just by the nature of it, and this isn't a knock on it, when you pick up the yearbook on the one hand it's the current year's publication but really it's about the previous year the 2020 yankees yearbook is about the 2020 yankees and it tells the story of 2020 right from as you said the cover if you look at that you're going to remember the empty seat which is number 20 the hank patch it, it just it's just everything about this is 2020 and you don't 
as much as we try to predict and to come up with stories that'll be relevant all year, this year, both figuratively and literally in some cases, we were able to tell the story of the 2020 Yankees. Yeah, we were. And John, you're, you spearheaded that kind of uh, that writing. You know, you had a three-part series when we came back with the first issue of Yankees Magazine in August. Uh, you had a piece about just how strange it all was and then ended up following that up with uh, another piece in September. And then the third installment here in the yearbook, just kind of looking back at everything that made 2020 such a strange year. And I'm so uh, appreciative of you for, for documenting everything the way you did. Um, I, I think it's important to kind of balance, you know, when we came back with the magazine, we wanted to, you know, provide a little bit of a of an oasis, you know, a, a, a diversion from all that was going on around the, us. And uh, with the yearbook, you know, it, it was more so just wanting to capture what the 2020 season was like, um, as well as, you know, like we do every year, have a few anniversary pieces. We got a really great, like, oral history of the 2000 Subway Series in there. We've got to look back at the 95 Yankees team. You know, we have pieces uh, celebrating the arrival of Garrett Cole in 2020. And we have another piece also written by Al uh, celebrating the arrival of Babe Ruth 100 years ago. Um, so there's a lot in there that, that fans are really going to enjoy. And uh, like I said, it's just a special kind of piece, uh, a special memento from a really unusual year. It's really, it's a, it's a great publication. I know, like with everything else this year, we, we, we don't ask for the benefit of the doubt per se, and we don't ask for sympathy, but may, maybe it's a little more gratifying. Maybe that's how I'll put it. Every time we got to put something out this year to know that it wasn't the way we're used to doing things, that we were kind of changing our methods that we haven't been face to face working together since I think February, to be honest, I don't think there was a day that we were together, all of us in March, even because of spring training. Mm -hmm. And we did it though. You know, we, we did the best we could. We put out three issues of Yankees magazine this year, and we put out a really tremendous yearbook and God, whether the season ends tonight or tomorrow night, or if it doesn't end for weeks from now with a world series parade, I think that, just we I feel like we did it in a sense and I feel like the accomplishments that we made as a, as a department and that I hope that our readers find from the publications we put out for them I know that I just take immense pride in the way that we kind of you know not to put myself in the Yankees clubhouse and not to be silly about it but there was a lot of resilience and, and and we put out the magazines and we put out magazines that we're proud of. We didn't just get the job done. I think we put out things that people will be happy to read and I hope you will read it. I hope you'll purchase a yearbook. I hope you'll subscribe. If you are a subscriber, you're going to get a free yearbook. If you subscribe right now, you'll still get a yearbook and I hope you do it because it's a wonderful publication that I know you're going to enjoy. No doubt. I, I feel immense pride as well. Like you said, we didn't just do it. We did it well. And, you know, the feedback that I've gotten from from readers has been nothing but positive. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful to them for, for sticking with us through this year. And, uh, you know, the, the yearbook that subscribers are going to get is really a gift as a way to say thank you uh, for sticking with us. So continue to let us know what you think. Letters at Yankees.com if you want to email us. Shoot us a message on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. And uh, we hope you'll continue to stick with us because uh, we got a lot of great things in store as well for sure. Nate, thanks so much. We will be back next week with another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast, and hopefully we are still discussing the Yankees' ongoing run in the postseason. Yeah, let's hope so, John. Uh, that would be great. 
cool. Well, thanks so much, Nate. And to everyone else, thanks for listening. Before I let you go, though, let me talk to you a little bit about the other part of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network, Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. It's our podcast that Bucky hosts where he talks with former teammates about some of his memories of the game, his favorite stories, and Yankees baseball. If you're not already subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send your thoughts over email, podcast at yankees.com. As for the Yankees Magazine subscribers, as we mentioned, you are going to be getting a free gift in the mail very soon, the 2020 Yankees yearbook, just to make sure you realize this does not count against your subscription, so you are still going to get the number of issues that you have coming to you. This is just a gift from us to say thank you for sticking with us. You have no idea how much it means to us. With that said, this is now a great time to renew your subscription, to buy a subscription, or to gift a subscription to someone else. You can call 800-GO-YANKS, or you can go to yankees.com slash publications. We'd be so grateful if you did. And lastly, if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. There you'll find our latest features to read, including the one we just mentioned, my third and a third part series of the Yankees' incredibly weird 2020 season. We're also on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine. Give us a follow and be up to date with every podcast and magazine we produce. That's it. See you next time. Go Yanks tonight. And let's keep this run going. Speak to you later. Hi, this is Aaron Hicks. For more stories like this one, subscribe by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.